Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Warning! Oil price slick ahead! As the oil price hits a 12-year low, should investors run for the hills or tap into a once-in-a-generation buying opportunity? The year zero. Statistics out this week show UK inflation was precisely nothing over the course of 2015, unprecedented in our lifetimes. But what does this mean for your finances? And is your pension under threat from the Chancellor? We explore new tax measures that would penalise higher earners that could be coming in his March budget. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm Claire Barrett and I'll be giving you all the week's money news in downloadable form with the help of my FT Money colleagues David Stevenson, author of our Adventurous Investor column, and Josephine Cumbo, plus special studio guest Paul Lewis, the veteran financial journalist and presenter of BBC Radio 4's Moneybox. Monday was officially the most depressing day of the year, according to PR companies, as Christmas credit card bills arrived and temperatures plunged. But they haven't been the only thing to fall. Investors with shares in the oil companies were also left feeling rather blue, as the oil price fell to a fresh 12-year low, breaching $30 a barrel, a drop of around 70% since 2014. This triggered a rout in global stock markets, which are now hitting two-and-a-half-year lows, and also prompted the International Energy Agency to warn that the market could drown in oversupply as a rise in Iranian oil output offsets production cuts elsewhere. Well, I'm joined in the FT studio by David Stevenson, our adventurous investor, who argues in his column for FT Money this week that despite these worrying falls, it could be the contrarian buying opportunity for a generation. David, thanks for joining us today. Welcome, thank you. You boldly predict in your column this week that the oil price will go even lower, hitting mm. $20 a barrel, and that lots of businesses will go bust as a result. Given this bearish scenario you paint, what opportunities can there possibly be for risk-averse investors other than shorting the shares of the oil companies? Well, actually, I might be quite bullish at 20 bucks. There are some people coming out at 10 bucks at the moment. I think the point about markets is, is that contrarians make most money when markets overreact. Right. We, none of us have made much money in mainstream shares in the last couple of years because they've sort of drifted nowhere. They've effectively moved around earnings multiples, basically. That's what's really happened with stock markets. You know, sometimes earnings goes up, shares go up, sometimes they go down. Now, contrarian opportunities are really, really always the most powerful when you have a massive overreaction. The marginal cost of production outside of, say, Aramco the big, and also the big state oil producers is probably about anywhere between 30 and 50 bucks, and shale is probably 70 bucks. So if oil prices go below 20, which I think they will, um, I think they may go as low as 15, maybe not 10, that's a massive overreaction, and it will decimate the industry. But oil prices will still need to go back up again, in my view. Mm-hmm. Um, I think oil prices will probably settle back into a kind of 30 to 55 range, uh, mm-hmm. pro- you know, probably by the end of the decade. 
Now, that represents a fantastic opportunity because in that overreaction that the markets do, you start to pick up some quality businesses and quality assets where there isn't leverage. This is the most important thing to bear in mind. And I talk about my column is you want to be looking at the businesses where they don't have leverage because leverage is what kills in an overreaction. You basically got your equity vanishes to zip and your leverage is <laughs> shoots up. There's a percentage. It works that way. And you're dead in the water. There are businesses out there with no leverage. And those are the businesses that will start to move in and they'll buy the quality assets. Because even though I believe in a new energy infrastructure, I think we will have a new renewables energy infrastructure emerging in the next 10, 15 years. It's not going to happen tomorrow. We're still going to need oil. We're still going to need gas. Uh, and regardless of your views about the long-term efficacy of that industry in the next 30 years, for the next five or 10 years, all prices will snap back and you can get quality assets cheaply. Now, according to your own research, which mm. you detail in your column, the market has already pronounced who the oil survivors yeah. will be. Can you give yeah. us a hint of some that you... Well, I mean, you know, I, I sort of, in a sense, I've mentioned that key term leverage, really. Mm-hmm. The market is very keenly pricing in the companies that have got no leverage. And that's remarkable. There are some, I'm going to give away the whole game from the column, but there are the odd few businesses out there. Um, I'll mention um, one. Um, so, for instance, Offer, Offer Energy, I never know how to pronounce them, actually, Offer, I think. Uh, there's another rather bigger name, which I'll leave in the column, which is out there. And these are companies with virtually no leverage. You know, they've got no gearing. Now, they, they might have been fortuitous in the cycle where they might have done fundraising, they might have sold off assets in the case of another business. And even a company like, you know, dare we mention it, Raw Dutch Shell, you mm-hmm. know, classic staple. I'm actually fairly uh, bullish about Raw Dutch Shell. I have BG Group shares. Of course, I would be delighted about it. But I think that Royal Dutch Shell has got fairly low leverage, and it's a, it's, a, it's a very well-run business. And I think the likes of Royal Dutch Shell and Exxon are just going to be hoovering up quality assets. Now, you argue that this is the biggest contrarian buying opportunity in a generation, but with the oil price predicted to stay lower for longer, might investors have to wait 10 or 20 years before these investments come good? No, because I said I think, I think we will see oil prices rebound back up to about 30 to 50 bucks. And the low-cost the low cost oil producers, and there are some in the private sector, they're not all Aramco, the big Saudi Arabian producer. Those guys have really, really been ratcheted down their cost base phenomenally. And even the shale gas guys, who everybody a year ago was saying that their marginal cost of production was about 70, then about six months ago it was 50. Some of these guys are now producing under 30. So when prices move back up to 30 to 50, and I think they'll probably settle in a 35, 45 range would be my guesstimate, yeah, then actually those guys who have really ramped down their cost base will start making profits again. So I think as well, this is the important bit, it's about momentum or negative momentum, just in the way that people overreact with the oil price, yeah, they'll also overreact on the way back up, which is that people suddenly go, wow, oil prices have stopped, they'll, they'll move back up and you'll see the share prices shoot up. Now, finally, you've historically been key on resources mm, stocks. This is why you know so much about <laughs> it. So, David, how much has your own portfolio suffered as the oil price has well, plunged? I, I was looking out this morning, actually. So um, I reckon I've had overall peak exposure about 25%. Now it's down to 15 unsurprisingly, because it's gone down in price. I probably, I, I, in fact, I, I run a SIP, which is actually in the Investors Chronicle, mm-hmm. um, on, a month, on a quarterly basis. So I've done the maths, so I can tell you the exact figure. So from the peak of the stock market, um, the, the market's down about 11 12%. Mm-hmm. Overall, my shares are probably down about 6%. Got some cash and other things, but I reckon that the resources stocks have taken a, most of that 6% fall in my portfolio. So painful for me, yes. I could have done with not being in them. <laughs> well, thanks very much <laughs> for your honesty. That was David Stevenson, our adventurous investor columnist, and you can read his full column online now at ft.com slash money or pick up a copy of FT Money this weekend. Still to come on the show, is your pension under threat come the March budget? Before that, official statistics confirmed this week that 2015 turned out to be the year zero, 
The rate of inflation in the UK averaged a big fat zero last year. Good news perhaps for consumers buying things in the shops, but on balance, bad news for our finances. I'm joined by Paul Lewis, the veteran finance journalist and FT Money columnist who has been delving into the data this week. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure. In your column on inflation this week, you use a rather regal metaphor to make your point about this unprecedented inflation figure. What is it? Yes, well, flatflation, zero inflation. And I looked at what had happened during the reign of, of our present Queen. And throughout that reign, prices have risen nearly 27 times. So if something cost you a £1 note when she came to the throne, it would now cost you a 20, a 5 and £1.70 in change. So <laughs> inflation has gone up. And to have flat inflation, zero inflation, is almost unprecedented. It almost sort of did it in 1959-60 when the average was about naught, but it was going up and down a lot. But this year, 2015, it went completely flat. Zero, zero, minus 0.1, plus 0.1. It was quite extraordinary. Now, there are all kinds of payments which are linked to inflation that will remain flat as a result. Talk us through some of these. Yes, it affects us all for that reason. Tax allowances, for example, normally go up with inflation. This year, from April 2016, they will just about all stay the same. Capital gains tax, um, ISA allowances will mm. stay the same. The only one to change is the one that is um, decided really politically, that the personal tax allowance, that's going up. So we'll, you know, as the politicians like to say, keep more of our own money. That's going up, but everything else will stay flat. Benefits, they go up normally with inflation. Now, this year... The government decided some would be frozen anyway, but all the others will be frozen too because they go up with inflation and in the relevant month it was just about zero. So all the benefits, whether it's war pensions, widows' benefits, carers' allowances, disability benefits, and a lot of the extra bits even of the state pension, all frozen. No change in April. And there are some measures of inflation um, that will benefit consumers, like the fact that railway tickets are only going up by 1%. But overall, the effect um, on our finances will not be a good one. No, I mean, things where, things where prices go up for um, companies and indeed sometimes for government in the past, they tend to use the best measure of inflation for them, which is uh, the, the retail prices index, which did go up by 1% over the year. And that was used for rail fares. But generally, flatflation means everything stays the same pretty much, uh, including the, the payments we get, as well as the tax advantages we get. So it's not just theoretical interest to look at inflation and say it's been completely flat. From April, we will all feel the difference, or rather we won't, because nothing will be changing. <laughs> and finally, in light of the Bank of England Governor Mark Carney's comments yesterday on interest rates, all of this adds up. All of this adds up to lower for even longer when it comes to rates. Absolutely. I mean, don't forget the target for inflation is 2%. Now, the Bank of England forecasts always have it magically reaching 2% in about two or three years. But until it gets to that sort of level and above, there is no pressure to uh, raise, raise interest rates because you raise interest rates to bring inflation down. Now, with inflation at zero, 2% below where the bank thinks it should be, the pressure is actually to cut interest rates, not to raise them. So I have to say, maybe I was one of the very few people in the country 
who wasn't in the least surprised when Mark Carney said, we're not actually looking at a timetable for raising rates, and all the commentators are now saying, oh, it could be 2017. It certainly will be 2017. It could be later before they go up. Well, good news there if you uh, have a mortgage, I guess. Well, thanks very much, Paul. You can read his full column now on ft.com slash money or this weekend in the print edition of FT Money, which you'll find nestling inside the weekend FT, widely available on both Saturday and Sunday. Last Saturday, the FT's front page splash warned that big changes to pensions tax relief were on the table in the Chancellor's March budget. Tax relief on our pensions contributions currently mirror our tax rate, so 45% for the highest rate taxpayers. But this is estimated to cost the Exchequer around £21 a year in total, a figure that George Osborne clearly wants to reduce. The FT predicts that the budget will see big changes to the system, with a single flat rate of tax relief to apply to all savers, meaning that the highest earners will lose out. FT Money has been covering this story closely, and I'm joined in the studio by Josephine Cumbo, our multi-award winning pensions correspondent. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. What pensions tax changes are you expecting now to see at the budget and when might they come into effect? Well, George Osborne has been mulling over options for pensions tax relief since July last year and there are a number of options on the table, including a radical shake-up to uh, introduce a pension ISA, which the industry roundly opposed for various (laughs) reasons. But what we think that he's now gravitating towards quite strongly and, and is set to announce in the budget is a shift, as you mentioned earlier, to a flat rate of relief. So currently, when you pay into a pension, you can get tax relief at your highest marginal income tax rate, which is 45, 40, basic rate. Or even if you're not a taxpayer, you can get some kind of incentive from the government, a tax incentive. But what we're expecting is that there will be a flat rate introduced and that rate will be set somewhere beneath the higher rate and by about 25%. So between 25 to 33, we think, is in the target zone. Okay. And when might that happen? Presumably, that's the million-dollar question. Yes. <laughs> well, in the past, George Osborne has got form. When he wants to do things, they get introduced really quickly. Just think about the pension freedoms, which were part introduced very quickly in 2014. But this change would involve a lot of changes to the system underneath, to not only the way schemes collect money, but payroll and also HMRC would have to make adjustments. So they would need time to prepare for a flat rate of relief to be implemented and rolled out. So on that basis, I wouldn't say that it could be implemented overnight. And in in the industry, people are saying at least 12 months to get ready. Mm. But that doesn't preclude the possibility that George Osborne thinking, and there is a big possibility that higher earners are going to want to cash in before the windows shut on high rate relief uh, and that he might introduce some measures to restrict that and that's called anti-forstalling measures to stop people piling in before the rules or any changes to tax relief actually come into f- to effect. So the budget's on March the 16th, the new tax year will start at the beginning of April but in the meantime what should FT money readers do? Well if you're a higher earner and you're looking likely to lose out from a shift of flat rate relief that could be thousands of pounds less a year that you'll be able to boost your pension by or at least see a gain in your pay packet that it's probably a good idea if possible to bring forward any larger one-off pension contributions to make the most of, of the tax relief at its current rate 
before the budget, so that you need to act in the next twenty or so working days to to get that to make the most of that relief. And don't don't forget that if you haven't used all your allowances from previous years, that's up to one hundred and eighty thousand pounds. There's still potential to pile that in. And under other changes, there is potential for about two hundred and twenty thousand pounds if to put into a pension before the end of uh, April this year. But you would probably want to do anything before the budget uh, in March, particularly if there is a chance that he will look to restrict uh, that with interim measures before any changes to tax relief into effect. Well, tick tock, tick tock. Better to be safe than sorry is the message. Thanks very much there to Josephine Cumbe, the FT's pensions correspondent, and you can read her full article on what you should do in FT money this weekend. We'd love to know what you think about the looming pensions changes, whether now is the right time to buy into the bombed-out oil sector, or about money matters more generally. You can get in touch with us via email, our address, money at ft.com, or tweet us at ftmoney. And you can leave comments at the foot of individual articles on our website at ft.com money. There is just time to tell you what else will feature in this weekend's issue. Buy to Let hasn't died just yet, but our cover feature on April's stamp duty hike and other tax changes will examine the effect these could have on the wider property market and I think is required reading for all landlords. And as usual, we have the latest share tips and directors' deals from our colleagues at the Investors Chronicle. The Money Show was produced and edited in London by Naomi Rovnik. We will be back next week, but for now it's goodbye from me and our studio guests. Goodbye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.